Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 5th, 2019, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we're reading from the big book and we are in Bill's story um, and we are on page 12, the very first paragraph, despite the living example, commenting only on that paragraph. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Javi K, 12 traditions of OA, Jackie M. And readers of the text this morning are Jason S and Allison L. And our trusty backup is Rebecca F. The share IDs for Monday, March 4th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 12,616. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 12,618. Our newcomer greeter, once this wonderful hour is over, is Naomi B. And the 8 o'clock host is going to pick up where we leave off, Sandy W. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now I will ask Javi Kay to read OA's 12 steps. Hi, good morning. This is Javi Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, 
we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. <clears throat> Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Have a wonderful day, everyone. I pass. Thanks so much, Harry Kay. I will now ask Jackie M. to read OA's 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Jackie M. from New York, Recovered. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Have a good day. Thanks so much, Jackie M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We, need, we read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. 
Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we are resuming our study of the big book, Bill's story, and we are on the top of page 12, which begins despite the living example. And we're going to be concentrating on just that one paragraph. And I'm now going to ask Jason S. to read it for us and get us started. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Anita. Thanks. And thanks to Team Tuesday. Um, my name is Jason S. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from Lacombe, Alberta, Canada. Despite the living example of my friend, there remains in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a Caesar of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. So, um, yeah, thankfully, I'm sure my timer, um, thankfully for me, uh, my first sponsor in vision got me into looking up definitions of words. You know, um, so when I first read this, one of the first things I looked up was vestiges. And uh, I come to understand it was a trace of something. So when I think about that with my own recovery, um, what came up for me was this lingering notion that I have that I know better. Um, yeah, like through working the steps, I've come to understand that that lingering notion is my ego. I, I'm edging God out and, uh, like, like that decision I made in step one, I need to have to smash that old idea, um, and be open-minded because, you know, for me, the alternative is, you know, that same insanity that I, I played with all before I got into recovery. Um, and antipathy is like a deep-seated dislike, um, you know, um, for me, um, I think the antipathy I had towards God was whenever things didn't go my way, I would blame him, you know, um, I wouldn't say it was more like a dislike as it was a fear or untrust, um, of the thought that, you know, I wasn't in control of my life. Um, and that dishonesty, it fuels my disease, right? Um, you know, just the thought that if I would let go and 
um, then I couldn't get the things that I wanted in life. And, um, you know, that's, there was a lot of fear around that. Um, and I had always equated God to the thought that, you know, like, what has he done for me lately? And that skewed perception of things. Um, but yeah, today in, in vision and in OA, I've, you know, through my fellow sound that, you know, God's got my back and that, uh, you know, that was really the paradox of the whole thing that I've come to understand is the more I seek God, the more positive my life becomes, which is basically the opposite of that self-will ran riot that I had going on before I showed up here. But with that, uh, I'll pass. Thanks for allowing me to do service and thanks for letting me share. Thanks. Well, thanks for getting us started, Jason S. I'm going to open it up now, and I ask that if you've shared um, the last two times we've been on, that you let others begin. Anita B. Barbara G. Elise N. John L. John L. Elise N. I wait a minute, guys. I haven't done it in three months. <laughs> Anita B. John Barbara. L. John Elise L. N. I have a Elise, Elise N. Yeah, Elise I mean, N. I have Barbara you. E. <laughs> Barbara E. But um but before Barbara E and John L and Elise N, there were a couple of voices. Who were they? Donna B. Donna B. Okay. All right, couple more. Kelly S. Kelly S. All right, then we'll start with. Um, we're going to go with um, Elise B. Elise N. Um, John L. Donna B. Uh, Barbara E. And Kelly S. Okay, Elise. Good morning. Anita. Anita B. Maybe. Oh. Okay. Hi. I'm really. Wait. Good is morning. is this is this Elise? Yes, it is. Okay, then Anita, you will be. Um, I'll I'm gonna stick you in this lineup, but but this we starting with um with Elise. Okay, go ahead, Elise. Hi, good morning. Um, thank you for calling on me. I'm, I just, I guess I wanted to say, you know, when they're, they're talking about belief in God and when um, I was a kid, you know, I grew up in a house with um, fathers, a Holocaust survivor. And uh, he would say, you know, he would just, he just kind of, he's a very wonderful person that really acted as if he believed in God, but he would say, you know, look what, religions look what um, believing in religion people did in the name of religion and um, for that reason he didn't know that he really believed in a god yet when my sister my sister's daughter got sick or when he was sick it, um, he was wanting me to pray for them you know no atheists in a foxhole and for me you know as a little kid so I was a little uh, I would think how can we talk and how can we move and you know if there's no God, I used to question that. And, but it wasn't really until I got into OA and that was 
I'm 54. I was about uh, 21. And I started to lose weight that I really, really believed that God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Because I knew without a doubt, I knew without a doubt that I could not lose weight, keep it off without, without, on, on my own. So I knew that something somewhere was, was helping me to do this. And I do not mean, um, you know, just like I don't earn a living by sitting on the floor in the living room and putting my hands out and going, um, you know, I don't earn a living like that. So I certainly don't, um, you know, I'm not struck with the, the gift of abstinence without doing any work, you know, by resting on my laurels. Um, but, you know, I could do all the work in the world. And if I wouldn't let God in and if I wouldn't, you know, um, pray, it's it's not only praying, it's it's really doing an 11 step every night, just, you know, making sure that I'm not building up any resentments, making sure that my side of the street is clean if I need to make amends and doing those things so that, um, you know, nothing nothing builds up in me spiritually that I need to take care of that will block my block my vision from God and what he wants me to do for today. And the other thing is I sponsor somebody now. And I, you know, I give service. I give back what I was so freely given. And I just do my best. And I, I'm humbly, you know, humbly, humbly absent now for almost seven months. I've taken off a good deal of weight, like 60 pounds. And um, this is after years and years of relapse. So I'm very grateful to Vision um, and the way that um, you work the program on this call, um, just been, you know, taken through the steps. I'm taking someone through the steps and it's the greatest feeling to be able to sit at a table and hear the food calling me. Thank you. Thanks very Thank much. You. Thanks very much. All right, John L. And then it'll be Donna B. Okay. Good morning, everyone. My name is John L. I live in Chandler, Arizona. I'm a compulsive overeater recovering. And yes, this part right here uh, is one of the biggest things I've learned that separates uh, religion from spirituality. And Charles said yesterday, the difference between religion and spirituality is me. And I interpreted that as that's my growth. For example, when I was raised and brought up, you know, I don't want my parents' higher power. I didn't like some of my teachers in school, especially my high school principal. Uh, they had they were awful examples of religion. And anyway, thank God for this 12-step program. I got to sit down and I was tasked with the uh, responsibility of going out and developing my own understanding of a higher power that fit me. I had to be willing. I had to be honest. had to be open-minded. But I had to sit down and the willingness and open-mindedness is the biggest thing that got me to developing 
my understanding of a higher power. And that's where it all was. And I started to grow. You know, one of the big things I had to do is stop fighting it. When I stopped fighting that I was a compulsive overeater and surrendered, lots of things happened. And when I stopped fighting, is there a God, is there not, and all that monkey chatter, and said, okay, I got to do this. I got to be open-minded, this and that, towards my God. Who, is, who are you, God? And when that happened, things started really to change. And I started seeing things. I started seeing things differently. And I really got in touch with this supernatural power that's out there that really turned things around for my life. And I'm just so grateful for this program and this meeting and thank everybody so much. And I'll pass. Well, thank you, John L. All right. We're going to have Donna B. And then that she will be followed by Anita B. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. And thank you for your service. This is Donna G. Um, as in grateful. Okay. I, um, I am grateful this morning and I'm grateful to be sharing this morning. Um, I had a really bad day yesterday and one of the lessons in yesterday had to do with a character defect of mine, which is pride. Um, and I, this reading this morning got me thinking about how prideful I was even in my expression of my spirituality. Um, I cared so much about what others thought. I cared so much about um, people. I saw myself as, um, you know, a non-traditional person, uh, sort of leftover hippie, you know, I've got to have this loose version of spirituality. I don't want to, even though I believed in God, I don't want to use the word God because, you know, that turns people off and they'll think I'm very rigid and they'll think I'm very um, traditional. And all of it was really about um, external and an image and getting my approval outside myself. Um, and I'm just so grateful that the lessons of yesterday, and I'm sure they'll continue to be, are for me that, you know, it, it's, it's really about what God wants me to be, what God intends for me today, what his will is. And um, it's really not about, um, as so many things in my life are not about, um, what other people think or what, what, what's going on outside of me, the external. Um, if I don't feel like I'm pleasing people, I, you know, I, I get anxious and then I want to, you know, in the past, I want to eat and I have to begin changing everything, and part of changing everything is um, where do I get my approval from, and I'm grateful to someone in um, a 12-step program who taught me a prayer yesterday about seeking my approval um, from God and seeking my approval not not from um, external things. Um, so I just, I thank you for the reading. I want to encourage all newcomers that um, if you're struggling with um, pride, if you're struggling with what other people think about uh, your vision of um, your higher power, of God, um, to keep coming and keep growing, and um, eventually it'll be about a personal relationship that really helps you in your recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Oh, thank you very much, Donna G. All right, Anita B., and she'll be followed by Barbara E. Morning, Anita. 
Good morning, and thank you, uh, Anita B. Recovering from New Jersey. Um, you know, I just love that we read that this morning because last night I was just studying in We Agnostics the same exact thing, which tells me this book repeats really important things for us to remember and live by. And that is, you know, I have a very strong religious background. I went to Catholic school. I go to church all the time. And, you know, when I first came, it was like I I didn't think I had to change my God conception. But this book tells me that I have to put aside prejudice because there are times when I said my religion isn't perfect because it, some of those rules are man-made and hard to follow. And so I questioned it. But, you know, just to hear this again and to be of studying it last night, that's what gives me the depth and weight that I can believe exactly what this book says to do. And it just, you know, always reiterates the most important things. So for today, I put aside my prejudice and know that this higher power is the answer to everything. It can solve my eating problem and my life problems if I seek him. And I was reminded this morning from my sponsor that that's what helps me each day is to make sure I'm seeking him and leaning towards that side. So I was just grateful to hear that again and support everything I was um, learning yesterday and having, it was a little fearful. It's a little scary to think of how I have to let go of everything and let God do and my higher power do for me what I can't do for myself. And that's all I have. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks so much, Anita B. All right, Barbara E., and then it'll be Kelly S. Morning, Barbara. Good morning, everyone. I feel like saying good morning, Vietnam, from the old movie. There are over 400 people on this meeting today. What a gift. I am so glad to have my seat at the table or even be standing at the back of the room. For me, I once heard the difference between a religious person and the spiritual one is religious people believe there is a hell. Spiritual people have already been there. And I certainly had been in hell. But when it came to God, I fought it, fought it nearly every step of the way. I was resistant. I wasn't an agnostic or atheist. I just had never thought about God. I just thought I needed grit, determination. Self-knowledge would get me everything. I was asked by my sponsor to remain open-minded to the possibility and I was assured no one was going to impose a belief system on me that I wasn't ready to accept. So reluctantly, and I do say reluctantly, I opened my mind to maybe there was something to this spiritual proposition, a power greater than myself, but that involved humility. And I hated myself, but I had no humility. I built a wall around myself and shared nothing of my true self with others. But slowly, very slowly, I began to believe 
that there could be a God of my own own understanding that would be with me every step of the way. My way of looking at life really had to be changed. It says in the chapter, acceptance is the answer. I had the lens in my glasses in backwards. Today, I see the world through a new pair of glasses. I come with hope in my heart every single morning. I've embraced the steps. I've embraced a God of my own understanding that has my back, and I go to him, her, it, all during the day, and I say, thy will be done. If one is not a low-bottom compulsive overeater, they may not require the 12 steps. They may not require a psychic change. But I had to accept my medical diagnosis. I have a disease, and there's some medicine I can take to put it in remission. But I can't skip a dose. Who I was and what I needed was this course of action and you, my fellows, and this program that is so beautiful and really has changed my life. I've accepted a form of God, and it warns us on page 14, if an alcoholic fails to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. Thank God for OA. Thank God for this ship. Thank God for accepting that there is a higher power for me. Have a beautiful day, everyone. I pass. Thank you so much, Barbara E. All right, Kelly S. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. This is Kelly S. Recovered in Oklahoma. Uh, So glad to be on the line today. Um, Just wanted to share on this because Oh, my gosh. You know, I've been around this program for years and um, grew up in the Bible Belt. We all have reasons of why we um, have this certain antipathy towards God, right? But, you know, I, like somebody else shared, which I loved, I was really cool and free-spirited, like, you know, way cool to be here, that's for sure. And um, my free spirit kept me in bondage in my disease, right? So I was very judgmental towards judgmental people. That was an eye-opener. Um, so I spent a lot of years, you know, judging everybody around me um, and their idea of God. And, you know, so what I really wanted to share on was, you know, um, this whole thing of, you know, I've shared this before. I had to start doing the set-aside prayer to get out of my way. Not only my experiences in these rooms in OA that in spite of, you know, the example of you guys who've been around struggling, with, it was working. I still didn't think it would work for me, and I certainly didn't think this God thing was working. And, um, you know, because I'd give him this list, and I'd asked him to make me skinny. I'd asked him to make me stop eating. I thought I had done all the work, and it wasn't working, so God didn't care about me. And even if there was a God, so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out this God thing. I mean, what is this God thing? I mean, is it a, is it a force? Is it, a, is, a, is it nature? What is it? I don't even get it. I don't even know. What am I supposed to do, right? I don't know. So finally someone said, why do you have to figure out this God thing? Why do you have to figure out? Why do I have to know? And I realized I never stopped to figure out my disease. I never had to make sense of it because you know why? You can't. You can't make sense of the disease. There's no figuring it out. But did it ever stop me from practicing my disease? No. I ate anyway. I did it regardless whether I could figure it out. So why don't I do the same thing for my higher power? So I really wanted to share today because I did a big book study with a couple of friends not very long ago, and one of them shared this, and I wrote it down in my margin, and I loved it. And she said, 
if God was small enough for me to understand, then he wouldn't be big enough to help me, right? And I just love that, and I wrote it down. So because I don't have to understand the God thing. I didn't have to understand my disease. I did it in any way. So today I just started working the steps. Uh, you know, I wanted to feel God. Well, the steps don't promise the spiritual awakening until we've worked the steps. And the more time I spend with my higher power, just like my friends, just like you guys, the closer we get. You know, the more time in prayer and meditation, the more I get to know my God. If I don't spend that time, just like my friends, well, we used to hang out. Uh, you know, we kind of lost touch over time. Happens with God. So, you know, I can't see, wait to feel God. I just have to put down the food, start working the steps, spend daily time with my higher power, and in time, this happens. So grateful today to get out of my own way. With that, I pass. Thanks, Anita. Thank you very much. All right, uh, just a reminder, we are on the top of page 12 in Bill's story, reading one and commenting on one paragraph only, very first one. All right, who else would like to share? Madam. Matt. Monica. Nancy, Nancy R. Monica. Monica T. And Nancy R. Thank you. And who? Morrissey. Okay, wait a minute. Um, there was a voice. I heard it, and now I lost it. Um, Karen E. Karen. Is that Karen? Karen. All right. Karen R. All right. And one more. Or not. All right, let's go with Madam Monica T. Nancy R. Karen Karen and Morsey. All right. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, uh, Anita. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. Compulsive Eater over here in New Jersey. I just want to share, I've had a really a hard experience trying to find my higher power because I always shut my mind closed against all the thoughts of um, a God of my own understanding because I didn't really want to believe in God because if you had the life I had, you know, that kind of thing, you know, you know, God doesn't exist, you know. But uh, I recently learned that I do have a God of my own understanding, and I had to recently define not too long ago what my what I thought my idea of a higher power was, my idea of God. And, you know, it's a trusted friend that I can go to when no one else is around because you can't always access power with people because sometimes you can't reach people. You know, I was calling somebody one day. I kept getting voicemail after voicemail after voicemail. And I finally sat still. I was like, what do you want from me? That's why I said out loud. And I felt a really sense of peace that came over me because I have to, I actually asked that question out loud. So I thought I was asking it to nothing. But, um, you know, it felt really good. It felt like, okay, I felt a sense of warm peace and serenity come around me. And I realized, you know, that's my higher power. I don't have to believe in the God of the heavens or the God that I was raised with religion-wise due to the fact what I was raised with. I can just believe that it's a trusted friend who wants to love me with all his heart and wants the best for me. That's all I, that's all I need to, uh, to start to have a beginning. And that's my idea of a higher power, you know, a trusted friend I can go to when no one else is around. Dollar says. Oh, thanks so much, Matt. All right. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in Bill's story. And he says, despite the living example of my friend, of course, he's talking about Ebby, there remained in me the vestiges, the traces, the impressions 
of my old prejudice. I love my old ideas. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy in me, a strong feeling of dislike, a hostility. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. You know, I can relate to all of this so very much. You know, Bill is still struggling with this God idea that Debbie has laid down before him. Ew, that didn't sound like much fun to Monica either. Even though I believed in God and um, um, I've been religious, but this personal idea, this personal relationship didn't have that and that didn't sound like too much fun for Monica, you know, man. But, this disease, uh, I wasn't in a very good place, and the pain brought me here. And it was, uh, well, your way isn't working, so you're willing to try something else. And I think Bill is trying to tell us here also, it's like, hey, it's okay. If this is where you're at right now, it's okay. Don't fight it. Don't worry about it. You know, you don't have to have this God thing understood, figured out, and all this right now. If you've got these feelings, you're not too happy about this, and it. You know, it just makes you not too happy at all. It's okay. Calm down. It's okay. You don't need to. A lot of us felt that way. I felt that way when I was at this point in my recovery. And I'm glad to say that working through the steps, that's the whole purpose why we work through the steps, is to develop, grow, build a relationship with some type of a power that's greater than me because my way wasn't working and no other power on earth human power was able to do anything it just got worse so I just had to be alright well maybe it doesn't sound like so much fun but you know what this pain of this eating and this binging my brains out every day is definitely no fun and I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired so it's okay is, I think is what Bill is saying us. alright just have an open mind and keep doing the work. And with that, I pass. Okay, thank you, Monica. It's going to be now Nancy R. and then Karen. Good morning, Nancy. Hi, good morning. Do you hear me? Yes, yes. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your service. Um, I, my name is Nancy R. I am truly a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I mean that with, from the depths of my soul. I am truly grateful. Uh, when I first came into the program and I... Uh, went through the steps uh, with someone. I said, "Oh, I got this. God, God, am I understanding? You know, because I'm I'm a preacher's kid, raised in church, church musician. So I got this God thing, and I really um, never truly developed a God of my understanding. That's why I struggled for so many years in this program. You know, up and down, relapsing, trying to the food plan." getting in this room, getting in that room, trying this group. I mean, you named it 90 Days Grace Sheep, uh, CEA How, How, you just name it. And I really thought I had a relationship with God. So six years ago, I was fortunate enough to be led to someone that actually took me through the steps the way it is outlined in the big book. Because I had gone through the steps many times, but once I went through the steps, as as it's written, the way it's written in the big book, I discovered that I didn't have a God in my understanding. I had I had a God that was given to me as a kid. 
the God that I had been taught in church, that was the God of my understanding. I did not have a personal relationship with the higher power. And the God of my understanding was nothing like the God I needed to recover from this program. I mean, what a, what an eye-opener. What an eye-opener. And that's what the program tells us. It says that like a power is our dilemma. I knew that. So I had to find a power that was great enough to dispel this awesome hold that this disease had on my body. And uh, I had I had studied many different religions and different philosophies. None of it helped me until I was in a point of desperation where I knew that only a power greater than myself could pull me out of this despair of compulsive overeating. And only then, only then that I began to seek him without all of the information, the previous information I had to discard and just say, you know, I need help, higher power. And even today I would say my um, relationship with my higher power is growing. I don't, you know, it's not important for me to have an intellectual understanding anymore. The fact of it is, is that there is a power that stops me on a daily basis from engaging in the kind of um, compulsive behaviors and actions and thoughts that used to dominate me. That's all I need to know is that it's working for me in my life and the joy of sharing the freedom that I have with another person draws me even closer. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thanks very much, Nancy R. Uh, Karen, followed by Maura. Karen? I still may not be getting the name right. Is it Karen? Hi, this is Aaron E. from New York. I think oh, that was... I was brother. Okay, yes, Aaron, go ahead. <laughs> Hi, so I'm Aaron E. from New York, a uh, compulsive overeater. Uh, I love this class. I love any time Bill is wrestling uh, with God because I remember being in my disease, and I love that he's referring to it. He's finally kind of seeing it as it's his prejudice and it's his difficulty because we've been hearing Bill explain the universe to us and we've been hearing him say, well, you know, there's a devil, he's the boss. And he's kind of already reserved the right to tell us what God is, but his friend turns it back and says, well, if you're in charge of who God is, how can you pick this God? Um, when I was in my disease, I, I didn't struggle with the idea of God. I didn't struggle with the idea that there was something running the universe so much as I struggled with the belief that that something was higher than me. Um, I, I admitted that there was some accident of creation, which gave this other creature the, the power to make things happen. But I thought intellectually me and God were on the same plane and coming to my knees in this program, coming to realize there were things that I didn't control. I had to admit that I didn't know everything about the world because I didn't know how to stop eating. And once I'd figured out there was something about the world I didn't know, I realized that maybe there was something wrong with my conception of God. Um, and I, I, I had the punishing God. And I had the God that I was, I had a personal relationship, but it was a, a fist fight relationship with, the, with that power uh, and a debate society with that power. And I had to give all of that up and realize that what I wanted was recovery 
And what I wanted was to be happy. And the way I was thinking about God was making me happy. So I came to this program and I worked these steps and I spent a lot of my days having to simply pray and meditate and make calls and reach out to other people because what I was being asked to do was crazy. You're telling me meditation is what's going to make me stop eating. How am I going to not be hungry during meditation? You're telling me prayer. Why, what, how am I not going to be hungry during prayer? It didn't make sense, but every day that I did it, it worked. Every day that I, I took the actions and I, I behaved as if this God everybody else described, this loving, caring God was there, my life got better. So I had to turn things over and simply operate literally on faith, not faith that I could see logically how things were going to turn out, but literally I have no idea how this is going to help me, but I have to do it because I've tried everything else. So it, it's great to hear Bill who's, you know, started this conversation with his friend with, uh, oh, he can rant and rant and my gin will last longer. Now admitting that, you know, he can see that he is unhappy and he doesn't know how to live life. And I really relate strongly to that. And OA has given me a way to relate to life and has given me my life back. And I'm very grateful for it. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Erin E. And Maura, please share. Good morning, Anita J. Thank you so very much for your service. Maura Z recovered in Virginia, gratefully so, this morning. And um, I have a little bit, oh, starting my clock. I have a little bit of a different tack on this. Um, and that is, um, I did have a faith in God. Um, I didn't know what God was, um, but I believed in God because that was what I was taught at home. And, um, and we didn't practice any kind of um, strict version of a religion. Both of my parents grew up in Orthodox homes, and so they rebelled. And so we learned the traditional you know, parts of our religion and the customs. And when did you learn there was no God and no such thing as a spirit? How long does it take you God to come to that? God bless you. God bless you. And so, um, and so for me it was, okay, he's there, um, but I'm not worthy. He's got, you know, bigger fish to fry. He's got, you know, world hunger. He's got children dying. He's got floods and he's got, you know, locust and all the other kinds of stuff but you know he's got all that he just needs stuff. to be worried about your God bless problem. you God he needs bless to be worried about God bless you God bless you and I can say that from the bottom of my heart because that person is in pain just go on more this um, I just wasn't worthy where was he when I didn't kids had Pennsylvania by the way just keep going. Just keep going, Mara. And I didn't know how that God was going to take care of me. Um, I'm sorry. I'm losing my train of thought terribly here. Um, the bottom line was I needed to have a God that was alive in my life. Where was he when Cardinal Pell was on the rage? Excuse me, but I would like to hear my friend Mara. I'll put you in the um, queue. Um, Anita, I've got to pass. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry, too. 
Now, would you like to have two minutes, sir? Just have to accept. You're not special, and there's no God. You're just... Okay, thank you very much. I'm glad now we've heard from you. All right, who else would like to share? I think I've got two or three more... Uh, time for two or three more. Judy? Judy, okay. Jason K. Jason K. Anne-Marie M. Okay, let's see if we can get you three in. Okay, Judy, you start, then Jason, and then Anne-Marie. Hello, this is Judy S., as in Sam, from upstate New York. And um, the personal God, <clears throat> you know, and that personal God, um, a God personal to me, is um, just such a journey because it it started with, you know, the traditional, what I was raised in, and that surely didn't feel good. Um, you know, fire and brimstone and I'm a sinner. But then as I started to explore more and <clears throat> and uh started to meditate and everything, I was like, Okay, yeah, I get I get what God is, I get it, I get it. And then I came into OA <laughs> and um I since I've been in the rooms about eight years, I've I've slowly, I mean really slowly developed a personal God. And it hasn't, it was just this past year that um, I have an even more personal God than I've ever had. And I, I can't define it. I can't figure it out. Um, I love what was shared about, um, you know, if, if I can figure God out, then it's not big enough to help me, um, something like that. And so this program, you know, um, I listen as pretty much every day. Um, I listened every day when I was going through, when I was in relapse, um, you know, thank God I have a month today of abstinence and um, I really, really um, am so grateful for all of you because you, um, studying this book the way we do has really um, intensified my personal relationship with God um, and I love all the different ways he describes it, you know, creative intelligence. Come on, that's awesome. Spirit of nature. Uh, and and there are, you know, people are so prejudiced about um, the, even the thought of a God existing. And I I know for myself and others I've talked to that that this is this is what causes the pain. We you know, we as humans need a connection with others and with a personal God. And if we don't have that, we're just, you know, we're a little bit lost. And, you know, I always poo-pooed religious people and was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I wish they just, you know, shut up already. You know, I was like, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, and blah, blah, blah. But now I'm just like, you know what, I accept whatever anybody believes, you know, and I'm okay with that. So, Thank you again, everybody, and I pass. Thank you. All right, uh, Jason K., you are up. Good morning, everybody. This is Jason K., recovered compulsive eater and bulimic from outside of Philadelphia. And uh, I love um, just knowing uh, some things that are really important for me is to understand that I'm blocked off from God. So the second step for me was 
I'm willing to find God. I'm willing to take these steps, these action steps. You know, Eddie came to Bill and sat in front of him and said, I got religion. He didn't say, I, you know, I, I, I got a belief and I believe this right thing and now I'm cured. You know, we have these 12 steps. And it's important for me to understand I'm blocked from the sunlight of the spirit when I'm eating compulsively, and I was. Um, and the second step for me is came to believe that a power could restore me to sanity. Well, how do we gain access to that power? We do the rest of the steps. And for me, that's just really, really important to understand and to learn. And sometimes I think people get stuck, and I got stuck sometimes too, um, trying to figure out God, trying to make make all these definitions, all these all these concepts, um, these words, these things. And, and, and that wasn't really God. They were, they were concepts of God, but that didn't give me the necessary power. And doing my first step, I found out I wanted God to work for me. I was selfish. I had an idea of a Santa Claus God. But I couldn't see that until I, you know, I did my fourth step. And I, you know, wrote down, you know, a hundred different columns where I was selfish, where I was telling God, this is the script. And where I was asking God to follow my script. And when I was disappointed and when I was resentful. And God was in my inventory, was in my fear inventory and my resentment inventory. My number one resentment was God didn't do what I wanted God to do. God didn't get me abstinent. Today, thankfully, I come from a position of humility saying, and I had to change that around. Instead of, God, I want you to work for me and do my bidding, I changed that around 100%. God, I work for you today. How can I be of service? How can I help you? And continuing to take inventory is continuing to open myself up. And I've heard people say, you know, God's not lost. God's nearer than near. God is every breath, you know. We're the ones that go away. So I try to turn back, open my heart, open my mind, open my soul, my spirit to God today in this moment, um, asking how I can be of service. Uh, and on a good day, that's what I'm doing. Um, and, and today feels like a good day, so I'm grateful to be here um, with all you on this line uh, and with that I'll pass. Thank you so much. Anne-Marie, you're our last share, and you've got two minutes. Okay, thank you, um, Anita. I was unmuting when you said how much time I have. Uh, two two minutes. Oh, my goodness. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I've heard so many good things on the line today, and I, too, grew up in, you know, a religion. Um, was taught of, you know, a God that uh, would love me, you know, as long as I was obedient to him and that I followed the rules of the church and, uh, you know, I also had heard someone else say that, you know, man-made rules. Um, and so as I went through my teens, I wasn't as obedient as I should, and I kind of figured, you know, God's given up on me, or he doesn't like me anymore, or I'm on his bad list. That was more like it, because that's the perception that I received during my catechism years. I'm not sure if they taught that to me. That certainly was my perception, that I was on God's bad list. So as I grew through my teen years and I wasn't a very good girl, I just figured that I, you know, he wasn't going to be bothered with me. And that's how I came into this uh, 12-step program that, uh, you know, I believed in God. You know, I believed that he could restore me to sanity. I didn't think he would because of my my behavior. And um, I'm just so grateful for the God that I've come to understand in this program, loving me un conditionally, like no other human can. And um, I'm just, just very, very grateful. 
that um, I've been able to change my perception of God. And, uh, you know, Physics 2 talks all about change, you know, it's changing my attitude and changing the way that I view things and to be open-minded. And I've received all of this through this, these 12 steps. So I appreciate everyone on the call, and thanks, Anita, for your great job in moderating this uh, meeting. Thanks. Thank you very much, Anne-Marie. All right. I want to thank everyone who shared. I want you to please join us, if you can, for our second unrecorded hour of study, immediately following closing. The share ID for today, uh, the meeting that just ended, is 12,621. 12,621. And we'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, A Vision for You. And I've asked Allison L. to read it for us. Yes, thank you. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, 